Okay, you're not going to get all the flowery or oratory or time because I don't have time. I'm putting on deodorant even as I freaking do this podcast. My daughter's coming today. She's already on the road. She called me. She'll probably, eh, probably be here in an hour, hour and a half, whatever. So I had to take a shower, which I always do anyway. But um, I woke up around 5.30 this morning. What a trip. Four and a half hours of sleep. But I didn't take any of the old sleeping potions they give me because they always trash me out. Trazodone, that crap. Yeah. They, they're giving it to me as a sleep aid. But little old me always researches everything they propose to give me. It's a freaking, <laughs> it's one of those happy pills, I call them. You know, mood changing uh, for people who have depression. Well, I don't have depression. I, sh- I probably should, but I don't. Anyway, let's cut right through the BS. I'm going to talk to you about opportunities. I'm going to talk to you about how opportunities come to people, and they go unrecognized. I'm going to talk about how opportunities come to people, and they're not prepared for them. Um, but somehow, sometimes people can make things work. I've, I've seen some pretty remarkable people. Uh, people who said, you know, I'm not qualified. I don't give a damn. Get me in that door and I'll figure it out. I know people like that. Um, <laughs> they'll make it work. They'll figure it out. And I know other people who, when opportunities come, they're not prepared for them. And um, sometimes they take them anyway. And then it doesn't last long because they weren't prepared for it. And they get scared and they make mistakes. And... Because they weren't really prepared, because they weren't really prepared for it, they don't know how to deal with the challenges that accompany an opportunity. All opportunities have challenges. Opportunities are not done deals, as the saying goes on the street. Opportunities are only the beginning. Everything else that comes after an opportunity that makes it uh, to prove that it's worthwhile comes after the fact. Okay, so let's get right into this. What is an opportunity? Yeah. An opportunity can be an extraordinary event, or it can be a quite ordinary event that gives you, um, uh, I guess, opportunity, if you want to call it that. But it gives you um, platform, gives you an event to benefit by. So we have an opportunity for a new job. It pays more money. So what's the opportunity? It's a new job that pays more. So it compensates you better. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have to work as hard. It doesn't mean that you might not be treated like crap. It doesn't mean that you're going to be protected against the office politics. All it means is that you have this thing before you that you can take and do something with that will benefit you. Um, I like to tell people that when I coach people about getting jobs, I, I try to remind them, and this is a truism, getting the job isn't hard. It's keeping the job. It's working through all the BS you're going to have to wade through once you get the job. And you don't really know what that is. So after you get the job, you start working. Um, maybe you... Maybe they chose you over somebody that had been working there for the promotion. 
maybe they're paying you substantially more than they're paying other people. And the word's out. You're getting a 40% more money than everybody else. It doesn't matter. Uh, maybe um, your supervisor is black and you don't like black people. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> you know, what difference does it make? Imagine how a black pe person feels with a white person in charge. So you won't really know what you're going to face till after you accept the opportunity or after you get the job. I remember in a job interview when they were, and, th and this is something I, t I tell people too. Don't get caught up in the money part of, of the interview. Don't get caught up in that. That a smart person never talks money in the first interview. That's, a, that's, a, that's their technique for deciding who they want to really talk to. Because if they think you're asking too much money and they don't see the worth it, then they check you off. They're not calling you back. Um, if they like you and the money is reasonable, but they think they've got somebody with more experience or a better fit for the job, you get scratched. You might you might get an alternate, meaning if the person doesn't show up, they call you. But the point is this. Money should never be – the compensation will follow anyway if you're qualified. What it should be is are the requirements of the job satisfactory to me? Um, am I willing to accept what I'm going to have to do for this to do this job? What I'm going to have to do to work here? Um, the money is is the last thing discussed. Now I remember one time I was I negotiated. Shoot, this is back like 2010. I negotiated 65 grand a year, ten thousand uh, dollar a year bonus um, with a gas card for my truck, which took like eighty dollars to fill every time. That's what I negotiated for the position, and they accepted it. I was number 36. They interviewed 36 people. I was number 36, and I got the job. During the interview, they said to me, this was, these were the owners. There were four co-owners, and two of them were conducting an interview. Well, one of them realized that at 75000 a year, I was making like 25000 less than them, and they were the freaking owner carrying, you know, the responsibility, the risk for the company. Um, I was going to make my 75000 no matter what they made, but they would still be obligated to pay me that money. So when he was talking, the one was, was for me, the other one wasn't so sure. So the one that was for me was uh, basically acting like I already had the job which I felt they did anyway. But um, so they went back and forth in their questions. They both asked the same question, and I knew the technique. You ask me this question, I answer it. Then he asked me the same question, and they compare how I answer his question. So the first one said, you know, I think we're offering you a pretty decent package to come to work for the company. And I said, yes, I, I, think, uh, you're, I think what you're offering, I think what I asked for and what you agreed to um, I think it's generous because it, it was, I thought, but I wasn't, you know, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, allusion, allusion to what I was going to be expected to do either. You bring, if you're making that kind of money as a estimator project manager, you got to be bringing jobs in, you got to be bringing money in. So the other one said, um, he said almost the exact same thing. But the way he said it made me mad. And this is one thing. Never get mad in an interview. You'll make mistakes. Well, I was mad the way he worded it. 
Um, but I controlled my anger, which if you can get mad and control it, you can still pull it off. So he said, he said, well, $75,000 a year with a gas card, pretty generous, generous package. And I said, yes, it is. And he said, yeah, you're, you're making roughly 25,000 less than I make as an owner, co-owner of this company. And see, then I got mad because I thought, yeah, and you're probably a freaking idiot too. And I'm not, but I didn't say anything like that. What I said was, yes, 75,000 with a gas card is a generous offer. Um, but I said, uh, but, but I'm not, <laughs> I said the requirements of the job did not escape me. I understand that in order to make that money, I'm going to be bringing you guys money. So I said, I'm not unaware of the expectations of you for that, of your expectations of me for that position. So I said, I think the money, then I changed my tune. I said, I think the money is fair for what you're going to expect of me. Wouldn't you say like that? And then the other guy said, well, yeah, there's, there, we're not arguing about the money or, or the, the benefits part of it. And I said, I'm not either. Because I really wasn't. I was just trying to say to them, don't make it seem that you're giving me something that I'm not paying for. The 75000 a year with a gas card represents I'm going to have to pay you through my work and the jobs I bring in and the profit you're going to make. That is what I have to do to ensure um, that I get this package. So you're not giving me anything is basically what I was saying to them. You're not giving me anything. You're willing to do this because you know I'm going to perform and make you guys money and good money. That's what this is all about. So let's stop playing stupid because I hate that stuff when somebody is not very smart and they resort to trickery and things like that. Just know this. When you have an opportunity that comes to you, if that opportunity is going to be turned into a success, you're going to have to pay the price for it. You're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to... You are going to have to take that opportunity and realize it through your effort, through your decisions, all that stuff. Opportunities are not, do not come on silver platters. They don't. If you're not prepared for an opportunity, which many people aren't, I'll tell you what I've seen with many people. They'll get, say they're making $10 an hour. Then they'll get a job where they're making 12 and they'll think, yeah, I'm doing really good. Um, because that represents a 20% increase in pay. Then they'll get a job from 12 to where they're making 16, 17, 18, 19, and they think they just freaking roped the world in. Oh, they just threw a, a rope around the moon and pulled it to the earth. Those are the most dangerous people to themselves because instead of taking that opportunity and investing themselves in it so they can prepare for the next big opportunity, they won't do that. They'll try to just get by with at the $19, $20 an hour. They'll just try to, if they go from 16 to 20 or 12 to 20, if they make a big jump, they won't work and prepare for the next big jump. They'll think somehow that they're, they're prepared enough because they made such a big jump from 12 to 20 or 14 to 20 that in order to go from 20 to 25 or 20 to 30, they really don't have to do much because they're just God's gift to the, you know, to business. Um, all they have to do is be themselves and um, put a little more effort into it, but they really think they've made it. People pay you to do the things they don't want to do 
the things they cannot do, or the things that they're incapable of doing, meaning they don't have the brains. So the first thing is people will pay you what they don't want to do. So if they want to do manual labor, they hire people. I mean, a lot of people say they don't have to pay much. If it's the things they cannot do, meaning they don't have the expertise, the training and such, they have to hire people who do. The last category of people who are thinking people, people who basically are working for a company, but they're more entrepreneurial than they are um, employee driven. So they're the people in meetings who come up with these great ideas and strategies for the company, like it's their company. I was one of those people. Um, that's one of the reasons that I was, you know, I won't say adored, but I was respected so much was I solved problems and I got things done on time. Um, I'm pretty laid back. You would think when you see me operating with people on a job site, um, you would think oh, George is just fucking walking around talking to people and saying hello and laughing and joking. And no, I'm not. I'm observing every freaking thing they're doing. I've looked at the schedule. I look what they have done. I project what they're going to have done within the time frame they have. I'm analyzing everything. But I'm a shadow manager. I don't need to go out there and say, come on, you freaking guys, get to work. You bastards are behind. I don't do stuff like that. I walk up and I say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. You got a lot done, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Then I let them know I'm aware. Yeah, you're about 70% done. You got like three more days to go. I think you get it, don't you? I am determining if I have to lean on them or not. If there are people that are responsible, they're getting their work done, they don't need to be supervised, I leave them alone other than to chit-chat with them. If there are people who need some supervision, then I give them some supervision. I give them some encouragement. I never threaten. I just remind them of their responsibilities. Uh, for instance, when I had a concrete guy who was behind schedule, um, she rocked too. I said to him, I said, yeah, how's, how's things going? He goes, well, we're a little behind. And I said, yeah, you're 30% behind or 35%. I think it was 35. I said, you're 35% behind schedule. And he goes, wow, that much? Really? I said, yeah, you are. I've, I've measured your footage. I look at the time you have left. You have like four and a half days. And because, um, you know, he was halfway through that day. And I said, you got like four and a half days. Um, I said, do you think you're going to get it done? And he goes, well, I, I've got to get it done. And I said, yeah, let's see. He was reminding himself of his responsibility. And I said, yes, you have to get it done. And then I told him, whatever you need to do to get it done, you got to get it done. Um, I said, we're coming, we're going to go into the next phase and you have to be done with your work. So the guys behind you can come in and start there so we can move you to another area. Um, I said, everything's set up. I, I can't have you not finishing on time. Everything's set up. I've already talked to the guys. So whatever you need to do, because he was letting people go to other job sites. I didn't criticize him for it, but I noticed it. So what I told him was whatever you need to do, you need to do it. Well, what did he do? He worked through the weekend. He pulled all those people back from the other job sites. He put everybody on there, and he did. He finished it. Um, he was finished on time, and then we moved him to another part. It was a bleach plant. We moved him to another part, and the people were coming in to do the piping, you know, for the plumbing and all that stuff, the 
acids and all the different formulas to make bleach with, they came in behind him and started setting up their metal structures that the pipes would be suspended from. That is how you motivate people. You remind them of their responsibilities. You don't threaten them. You, you know, you don't belittle them and rag on them. You remind them of their responsibilities. You keep you keep a time frame. You keep a task with them so they know where they're out and where they need to be. That's what you do. People who, I would say more people lose opportunities because they're not prepared for them. They, they, two things. Either they're not prepared because they didn't prepare for the opportunity. Or the opportunity comes, they know they're not prepared, but the money, they want the money so badly, they take the jump and they get in there and they get a job that's over their head. They don't have the, the skills for it. And they become quickly disillusioned because they don't have the skills. It's too challenging. They're afraid of making mistakes. And then they either quit or they get fired. That's very few times you see a person be demoted to a lower position. They usually just fire you or you end up quitting. That's what it goes. All because you plateaued at your last opportunity. You really didn't prepare yourself for this wonderful opportunity that came out of nowhere, which you could have prepared for and you would have been, um, you know, qualified for it, but you didn't. You plateaued. And what is the thing that causes people to plateau more than anything? When they get an opportunity where they think they're making good money. I've seen it so many times. You get a person who's smart, maybe doesn't have the skills for the job, but is driven. You know, they're very smart. They're driven. And they will, they'll figure it out. I've seen people figure it out on the cuff. They'll figure it out and they'll fake their way through it until they become proficient enough to do the job. Those are the people who plateau more, more often than not, they plateau. Um, because they now they have the job, they've, they've figured it out, they're making the money, and they're not preparing for the next big jump. Because what will happen is when they plateau and they're not prepared, the next big jump requires so much of them and so much skill and understanding that they don't have. They, have, they don't have the experience to begin with, but it's, it's over their heads. But they see the money, and they go for it, and they screw it up. It doesn't work out for them. They get fired. Usually most of them get fired. Within the you know 90-day probation, they get fired. Because it doesn't take long for an experienced person to look at someone who made that kind of a jump and know, uh, they can't do the job. They don't know what they're doing. We're, we're losing money with them. Doesn't take. I'm not kidding you. It does not take long if you're experienced to see someone who is not qualified to do the job. They stick out like a sore thumb, and that's what happens. They stick out. Things aren't getting done when they're supposed to. People are complaining. People who are underneath them are saying to people above them, you know. I know more about this than they do. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, they gets back. So then you get observed, and they see you really don't know what you're doing. So before the probationary period is up, they get rid of you because <laughs> they want to get rid of you before you become vested. Before they put too much effort, and they need to find somebody to replace you. So they start advertising for the job because 
They realize you don't know what you're doing. They got to get rid of you, get somebody else in there because they need to be responsible and finish the job on time. That's what it is. If you are someone who likes to do simple production type jobs or, you know, maybe maybe you're um, content to be a laborer or you just like working convenience stores or stuff like that, or maybe, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. I mean, it's a personal choice. There isn't really a right and wrong about it. Um, that's, you probably, that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life because not much is required of you. You get compensated for the demands that are made of you. The things that, the more things you can do proficiently, the higher your pay is, the more difficult the job. And that's why sometimes people in management, you wonder why they're making all this money in management because they're making very difficult decisions like now. I mean, they have to come in and take control of a situation and figure it out and, and make it work now. They don't have days and weeks and months. Um, and their decisions better be right. Um, and some people have that. Some people, I'm better when I'm challenged. If I'm in a job where I'm not challenged, I get bored. And I hate the job. But um, that's why I, most of the time when I worked for these companies, I would get pulled from a job I was on to go to a job that was losing money or failing or like one where the superintendent, <clears throat> he was on uh, Oxycontin, trashed out. I mean, just higher than a freaking kite. And the job wasn't getting done. And it was a it was a jewelry store. Just the lighting in the jewelry store was almost a half a million dollars. I mean, this was a real high-end project um, in a very fancy part of town. Well, he was high, and he wasn't getting his job done. People weren't showing up. They're pulling their freaking hair out. So they sent me over there to take over his job and work with him to get it online. Well, he was so freaking wasted. I told him, I said, look, just go find some freaking empty storage room to hide in and freaking sleep it off, go in there and I'll take care of it. Because my job was easier without him being involved than it was trying to keep him involved to make decisions. He was, he was just out of it. He couldn't, you know, he was drawn to, uh, you know, man, I tell you, oh man, George, uh, yeah, I know. Okay. Well, we finished it on time. I mean, it was crazy, crazy. You just don't know the what happened to get that thing done. Sometimes those things happen. If you want opportunity, and don't believe this BS about you make opportunities. You don't make opportunities. You prepare for opportunities. So when they come, you're prepared. But you can, you do not make opportunities. I don't know who started that freaking rumor, but it's not true. You prepare for them, and when they come, you're prepared, and then you take them, and you make you from that opportunity you make it you you grow the opportunity so you turn the opportunity for a job with this company into a career there's a cause and effect opportunities themselves do not provide anything but the opportunity so if you're one of those individuals that ascribes to thinking that um you made your opportunity no don't be stupid please don't you might have enhanced it. You might have improved upon it. 
but maybe the person met you and likes you and, you know, here's this opportunity and they meet you and like you. And then so they start considering you. There's ways that you could have enhanced it, but you did not make it. And you know what? When you get it, you either make it or blow it. Because once the opportunity is given to you, it's no longer an opportunity. It's not. The opportunity was just pre presents itself. It either becomes a job or a career or a profession, whatever the nature of the opportunity is. Maybe it's love forever. You find like you have opportunity to meet a person who the chemistry is good and you and you, you two decide to get married. You love each other. And because of who you two are, you have this wonderful marriage. You had the opportunity for marriage, but the marriage was developed between the two of you working together. It was real. The opportunity was realized because of what your sacrifices and your decisions, your choices. So in every aspect of life that we benefit from, you know, or get penalized for, opportunity is just the beginning. Yeah. It's whatever we make of it. That's what's important. Because opportunities come and go many times people don't even see. They, they can't, they're, they're not familiar with what opportunity looks like. So when opportunities come, um, and they can be small things. Like uh, when I was a kid, all of us had ice skates. Uh, and I loved to ice skate. And I preferred figure over hockey because the tips have teeth and you can do a lot more with figure skates, stopping and turning and a lot of stuff. Hockey skates are more difficult. Well, there was a kid in the neighborhood um, who couldn't afford skates. His parents were, you know, family was poor. He wanted to skate. So I said, well, I've got freaking, you know, I said, we got a couple pairs of skates and my brother has a pair. I said, we have skates. Let's see your foot. Well, he had a freaking Bigfoot foot. It was like, damn. <laughs> your foot is freaking huge. This kid wanted to skate so badly. He squeezed his foot into a pair of my skates. Um, he had like a size eight and a half foot. And I think I was a seven and a half at the time. He forced his foot into that freaking skate. I mean, literally shoehorned his foot into that skate and it was smashing his feet. I mean, it was a mess. Um, and he laced them up and I told him, I said, lace them up tight, um, you know, down where your, your foot is, but up in your ankle area, leave it a little bit of lo loose so you can move your leg inside the skate, but you want your foot to be as supported as much as possible. And then once you learn to skate, you can go ahead and lace the tops tight too, because then you can do more once you learn how to skate. He had an opportunity to skate. He didn't have the skates but he was willing to shoehorn his fat foot into those skates so he could try it. And he crashed and burned and he flipping, you know, hooped and hollered when the skates out went up and then he landed on his rear end. He kept trying. He became pretty good at skating when we had little uh, neighborhood hockey things. He was out there. We'd throw him a stick and he'd shoehorn his feet into the freaking skates because he couldn't afford to buy skates. So it wasn't the opportunity to skate that made it it was his taking the opportunity to skate making the sacrifices and then paying the price to learn how to skate that's that's what it is in life in all things in life relationships careers abilities skills 
We only get opportunity. It's what we do with the opportunity that makes the difference. Okay, that's it. Uh, I'm not giving you guys another thing. I, I give too much. I realized that lately. I got to turn, tune, what they call it, tune. No. Turn that shiza down, something like that. I can't remember the term. Turn that, yeah, that, hey, Cletus, turn that sheet down. That's what I need to do. Well, decide for yourself. You can be a winner or a loser. It's just a decision you make in life, basically. All right, goodbye.